Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And we're delighted to be here today with show writer Elle Lipson. Elle has written two episodes so far, season two's Lesser Evils, which she co-wrote with John McNamara, and season three's Poached Eggs. She also helped develop the content on the companion sites BreakBillsU.com and WelcomeToFillery.com. Elle, welcome to Physical Kids Weekly. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited you're here. Uh, I feel like this has been a long time coming. Uh, two things struck me in the bio that you sent over. First, um, that you have been working on The Magician since the pilot, which I gather is kind of unusual among the writers. Like There have been people who've come in uh, later in the first season, people who've come in in the second season. Um, and then the second thing was that this is your first job writing for television. So you've, you've worked in TV yeah. for a while, but this is your first job as a writer. So two questions about that journey. First one, from your insider perspective, how has the show evolved over the past three seasons? Like, what is different now? Oh, it's, uh, so starting off, I, um, well, first season, we were writing in John's garage, which is very, like, tricked out, great, awesome. Um, we were writing, as that was our writer's room, and uh, it was definitely really interesting seeing from that first season, um, kind of how, how Sarah and John approached, um, adapting the books. Um, and I feel like at the beginning there was, I mean, obviously we've, we've drawn a lot from the books throughout the run of the show so far and, um, continue to do so. Um, but obviously from the beginning, there was a bit more of that when we were in, in the break bills world. And as we've gone on, we've kind of branched in different directions, very much always still in the spirit of the book, but it's definitely evolved a lot in, uh, creating new things uh, mm. and, you know, exploring things that uh, we definitely invented for the show. So um, it's been a lot of fun seeing that all evolve. <laughs> um, and the second question I had for you is is more sort of about you as a writer and your career. Um, you've obviously been in TV for a little while, but what preconceptions did you have about what writing for TV would be like going into this job and how has the reality of the work aligned or not so much with those beliefs? Um, so my, my, I guess my initial first impressions of what it was like to be in a writer's room, I had during college, I had a couple internships, um, in writer's offices. And so, mm. um, some of that I could like hear what was going on in the writer's rooms and some of them on other shows. Like I like kind of was kept out in the office area and different shows have very different vibes and, uh, kind of the way that the writers relate to each other, where they, you know, they'll come in and um, whether they'll be expected to, you know, have different sorts of material ready for every day or whatever, or, you know, how, I guess how they work as a team and uh, being on the magicians has definitely been a very special experience because um, I think the more like having started off in the writer's office as an assistant, I started as Sarah's assistant in uh, season one and, um, it was definitely, it's the kind of place that like, even, even if you're an assistant, like everybody gets treated like they're part of the family. Hmm. Um, and it's a really great community. And then as I got into the writer's room, second season as writer's assistant, and then was put on the staff in season three, um, it was definitely, it, it's just like, it's so much fun coming into work every day. You know, it's like, um, we have such a good time all together. And that was something that I didn't know was going to be a thing as a writer. You know, I mean, I expected having to come in, you know, have pitches, um, 
and, you know, deliver on scripts and everything like that. But I didn't know, I guess, what a communal and fun experience it would, it can be in a writer's room. Um, and, uh, I mean, that definitely comes from, from the way that our leaders on our show run things. It's really, really great. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's definitely one of the cooler things I think about writing for TV as opposed to writing for other formats like features and whatever. Um, because a lot of the time when you're thinking, Oh, writing, like I'm going to be alone in a room working on a thing. And in this case, it's like, yeah, that's part of it. But for the most part, most days you're sitting in the writer's room with like, you know, eight other people, nine other people, and just like tossing ideas around and cracking up. So it's really, really fun. <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah. Um, so moving on, uh, what's your relationship to the magician's novels? Were you familiar with them before you started working on the show? So I had read them. Um, I was working at Groundswell Productions, which is the production company that produces the magicians. And I was working there when at the time they were still developing and um, pitching the pilot. And um, so before they even shot it, I was kind of, you know, on all those phone calls as an assistant and um, hearing about all that. So I read the books at that time um, and I've always been a fantasy fan. So I was like, this is totally right up my alley. Um, and it was so much fun. And then, you know, I read the pilot script and saw the pilot once they shot it. And it was just, uh, such a thing that I was, I was like, this is something I would love to be able to work on. And at that time I was like looking to make a jump into the whole, uh, TV writing side because I was, I loved development and I learned a lot about it, but I was like really looking to be on the creative side. And, um, the, you know, when I found out that Sarah didn't have her own assistant at the time, I was like, Oh, can I have that job, please? (laughs) (laughs) It's turned out to be the best decision ever. Um, but yeah, the books were definitely caught my attention like right away for sure. Yeah. We've noticed that, that like, cause I think there were both Sarah and John had several assistants all of whom are now writers for the show. So it's, yeah, uh-huh. it's a sweet gig. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah. So there's me, then there's um, Mike before me was our writer's assistant, Mike Moore. Um, and then he got staffed. And when he moved up, I got his writer's assistant job. So I kind of like followed him up the ladder. And funny enough, he and I actually went to college together too. So I've kind of like known him for a really long time. Um, but yeah, like David Reed worked for Sarah and John on their previous shows and has kind of like, you know, come up in their camp as well. And, uh, yeah, it's really great. And, that um, there's a, a writing team on our staff, uh, staff writers this year, um, Jay Gard and Alex Raymond and Alex Raymond was our writer's assistant last year and script coordinator before that. And, uh, Jay was John's assistant and uh, now they're on staff, and uh, our current writer's assistant, well, before that was Sarah's assistant. So it's all, like, it's very, it's a great place to grow. It's really awesome. That's great. Um, so I love what you said about being um, in the emails. In the emails we exchanged before this, as we were planning this, uh, Elle, you described yourself as a <laughs> lifelong genre fan. And so I, I kind of wanted to dig into that because, right, like, it's different to say yeah. lifelong genre fan from saying, like, lifelong fantasy fan. So I guess I kind of want to understand for you what genre means and what appeals to you about it. Like, what do you find so unique and special about genre? No one can see my air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I... I say genre because I really, I love sci-fi and I love fantasy and just like, 
you know, it's not necessarily specific to one of those things, but like anything that has, I guess, elements that are sort of larger than life in a way, but then that also are still, you know, very like rooted in real life in some way too. That's why I love about mm-hmm. the magicians. It's like, it's a fantasy show, but it's, it still feels like you, you have very real human things happening too. And uh, yeah. So like, I always like, I loved shows like Buffy and like Battlestar Galactica and like, um, I just, yeah, I've like been a very, I read a ton of sci-fi books when I was a kid. I was a big Ray Bradbury fan. Um, nice. still am. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I like, I loved, uh, Ender's game. Um, the book, i never saw the movie and I don't know that I want to. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I've always loved that stuff. Um, and I read like tons of like kids fantasy and sci-fi books too. Um, I think it's just, it's really cool to be able to talk about things that are relevant to our reality and like to us as people through things that are fantastical, you know? Yeah. It's like our version of allegory our modern day allegory. mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Speaking of a Ray Bradbury, I just watched the HBO like Fahrenheit 451, like a couple days ago. And I was, very disappointed. I was very upset. Oh, yeah. I it haven't was, watched it yet. I was really on the fence about whether I was going to or not, but... No. <laughs> I watched it, too, no. and it was pretty disappointing, but... I mean, I didn't, it wasn't quite when as I bad as kid. I was expecting, but... Yeah. There's... It's bits and pieces. Like, it, 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 like, goes back and forth, and I'm like, okay, I like this, and then I was like, no, I really don't like this, and then it just kept going yeah. back and forth. And I was really disappointed, because I thought that they had a really good cast. Yeah, they it really didn't did. quite make it. Yeah. When I was a kid, I actually, I was, uh, you know, I read a lot of Ray Bradbury. Um, and my mom, my mom's a writer, like a novelist. And so she, like, was very encouraging of me, wanting to read all of these kinds of things. And she took me to, like, a book signing event where Ray Bradbury was speaking. And so I actually have a photo of me from when I was, like, 12 or something with, with Ray Bradbury. <laughs> and I, like found it in a copy of one of my Ray Bradbury books that was on my shelf at the office and like showed it to the writer's room and everybody was like, Oh my God, this is the most insane thing ever. <laughs> it was like 12 year old little nerdy me. Who's like so dorky excited. <laughs> um, so I, I have another Ray Bradbury thing that I wanted to bring up because of course yeah. there are musical episodes and we're going to talk about one of them later. Um, do you watch, oh, yeah. um, do you watch a, Oh fuck. What is it called? The Rachel Bloom show, I can't, I'm like blanking on the name right now. Oh, Crazy Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Yeah, Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. She has like a bunch of other music videos, and one of them is called Fuck Me Ray Bradbury, and Uh it's basically like a play (laughs) on, um, why can't I remember any any names of things? The the, like old Britney Spears song where she's like a schoolgirl, it's it's like a play on that, (laughs) but the chorus is... I've definitely seen that video. It's so good. (laughs) I made my dad watch that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he was like, it's I don't amazing. know what child you Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is also a fantastic show. I oh, it's so show. good. Uh, I saw yeah. Rachel Bloom and Friends at the Castro um, for like the last F- SF sketch fest. It was, it was really amazing. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I wanted to ask you, this is, this is related to that last question before we got uh, sidetracked. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. what is it that makes a story or a character interesting to you? Like what will if you're like reading the description of a book, what grabs you and says like, this is a thing I want to read. Hmm. Um, 
about a character specifically. Um, or a story, yeah. I think, I think a really just an interesting character voice. Like, I think that, you know, of the books that I've read lately, um, and, you know, I mean, in script, like, voice is so, so important, and not just, like, of the characters, but, like, the writer's voice, too, and how the script reads. But, um, yeah, in, in books, like, everything I've read lately, my favorite thing about it has been that they just have a really distinctive voice where you just feel like you can, like, hear the character talking, you know, and um, they feel like a real person. Um, so it's not just a story that's being told at you. It's like, you feel like you're talking to someone or you're part of, you know, you really can, can feel like you're, somebody's literally telling you the thing that is happening. And yeah, that's just, that's the most engaging thing I think for me, really strong character voice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're I saying like, the exact same things. We've been doing this too long together, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, go on. (laughs) We've asked a lot of writers we talk to what they think defines their voice and makes their episodes they write unique. We'd like Mm -hmm. to ask you the same question, (laughs) but since this is your first TV writing gig, we're also curious if there are ways in which writing for the magicians has informed your writing style. I definitely think um, writing for magicians has. Uh, it's, I think it's brought out some more of the humor. It's kind of been a little liberating um, getting to write for these characters and write the kind of stuff that we do on the show um, because of the fact that it's it spans a lot of different tones that we juggle and balance. And, um, and I think that uh, early on when I was like, finding my my way um, as a writer, I think that if I was writing something funny that I would try hard to make it funny. And mm. if I was writing something dramatic, I would take it very seriously. And I think that um, as I've grown as a writer and, um, and also especially with the magicians, that it's the kind of thing where, you know, the, the comedy or the drama comes from the situation and the characters and it's not something you have to necessarily aim for, um, in a very super conscious way. And then a lot of the time that that will evolve naturally. And, um, yeah, I think I've learned a lot about, um, kind of just a, yeah, being able to shift from tone to tone and, um, balance different things for sure. Um, in terms of what was the first part again, it was the, about what characterizes wait i have to interrupt you for a second are you wearing your todd shirt Uh uh-huh oh my god (laughs) i am definitely wearing my todd shirt okay okay so here's the thing it's it's todd tuesday and (laughs) most of us if we remember wear the shirts every tuesday (laughs) i i need a todd shirt like Uh i'm demanding it at this point this is like actually a thing that we do. Like today, there were I think probably five or six of us that showed up in our Todd shirts, which is pretty solid. Um, but like we literally, like as an office, we'll go walk to go get coffee sometimes after lunch. And uh, when we go there, one of the one of the coffee guys uh, knows us, and the other one was new, and he was like, "Oh, like what's what's the deal with your shirts?" And the other guy goes, "Oh man, it's Tuesday." <laughs> Like he just knew. He was like, "It's it's Tuesday. That's what they do. It's Tuesday." Because <laughs> you watch all the show. They're like, "We're in uniform." <laughs> does your does that barista know of the show? 
I don't know. I'm not sure. I know he like definitely caters to a lot of writers' rooms that walk over there from our lot and. Stuff, oh yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> this is just like yeah. what the weird writers do on Tuesday. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Riverdale also is on that lot, right? Riverdale. I don't know. I don't. I know, know. they're close. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot of funny. Sometimes we'll run into other other writing staffs in the in the coffee shop when we walk there every day. It's kind of fun. I'm curious what what's the coffee shop because I I love coffee so. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little one on Melrose. Um, it's but, okay. Uh, yeah, let's it's leave like... the writers to their privacy. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know. I love coffee. We can ask Not when the recording's a- off at the end. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we live like way far north, so you don't have to worry about us stalking you. Probably. Oh no. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. So I think the part I of the think, question. I think the first part of the question yeah. though was, what do you think defines your voice and makes your writing unique? Um, um, <laughs> in general, um. I don't know. That's kind of, that is hard to say. I hadn't thought about it. Um, I guess I'd say I, I like to, I like to do the world building kind of stuff, which is really fun for me. Like in my, in my own stuff, like if I'm trying to create um, something that feels really real and like build in rich detail to it. And then if I'm given an opportunity to do something like that um, in the magicians where it's like, something we haven't been to before or whatever. Like I like to kind of help figure out what that is and like flesh that out. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's definitely something I, I like a lot in my writing and that I try to put as much of like my spin on the world as, as I can. But I mean, obviously in, in the, in a show when you're writing on a staff, like, to an extent you're writing mostly towards what the show, what, what's best for the show and what's best for the showrunner's vision. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'd say in terms of my episodes. Um, but I guess on my own stuff, that's what I would say for sure. So tell us actually, tell us a little more about your own stuff. Cause I forgot to dig into that when we were emailing back and forth with you, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm curious about like what your work is like outside the magicians. Um, yeah, outside the magicians, I, I tend to write, um, stuff that's sort of like in the sci-fi realm, um, but kind of staying pretty grounded because like I said, I like, I like stuff that where the people feel very human and it's not about, um, you know, the sci-fi and the effects and everything and the futuristicness. It's about like, oh, these people in this, these crazy circumstances and how that affects the stuff that they do. Um, yeah. so yeah, like I, I, I like writing, uh, pilots that kind of are in that space. And then, then I also, uh, have a little, like, um, a little indie drama that I want to also write. So kind of tinkering around. Well, you tell know. us about that. <laughs> tell us about that. Or, I mean, I don't know, maybe you don't want to talk about it too it's much. It's early days. It. <laughs> it's early days. But yeah, it's like a little, like a little gay indie movie that I want to write. So. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you, when when it, when it's written and pitched and you know about to win all the awards, you should tell us again because that sounds yeah. right up magician fans' alleys. <laughs> <laughs> yep, definitely. <laughs> okay, so we did have a couple like follow up questions about like your writing specifically mm-hmm. for the magicians, and hopefully they're a little easier to answer. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> 
What's your favorite character to write for, and are there any characters you especially identify with? Um, I love writing for, I mean, I, I, people probably say this a lot, but I, I love writing for Margot just because, like, it's just so fun to kind of go a little, like, balls to the wall and, like, <laughs> write the crazy stuff that she gets to say. Um, I also, I really like writing for Josh. I think Josh is a really, really fun, very specific voice. Um, and, uh, yeah, like his, his stuff has a, it's, it's very funny, but it also has kind of this like sincerity to it in a way that I really, I like. Um, and then, sorry, what was the, the second part of that was, are there any characters that you especially identify with? Um, I think, well, if you, if you ask one of those, like, which magician's character are you BuzzFeed quizzes, it's. <laughs> Tells me I'm Alice. <laughs> um, I think that I, I probably, I, I relate a little bit to that. Uh, the, I guess like that she's always kind of like looking for knowledge and also looking for uh, like her place in things. I kind of can relate to that a bit. Um, definitely growing up and uh, yeah. Um, but I think, I think that there, like the thing I, I really, love with these characters is that there's like a little something that you can relate to in each of them um because i also can i mean i have definitely related it to quentin because like a bit of that like the fanboy side of him and the like you know trying to trying to fix things and not always knowing how (laughs) um yeah i feel like Anyone who says that they can't relate to Quentin at all is deluding themselves. Like, I think they yeah. just, they want to think that they're better than him. But, like, he's so, <laughs> there's so much, like, truth and heart to him as a character, right? Like, he feels yeah. things so strongly. I mean, strongly. I can definitely relate to the earnestness yeah. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The earnestness of Quentin. Because I think I'm, like, I'll definitely catch myself at points, like, at work and stuff where I'm just, like, sitting there and I'm like, oh, I get to do this for my job, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I feel like that's Quentin, like, at Break Bills or Quentin and Fillory, where he's just like, this is my life and this is amazing, you know? <laughs> so, like, I think I have those moments every now and then where I'm just like, oh, like, I'm that, I'm that dorky kid who's just, like, too excited about this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think those are the good people in life, though, right? Like, the people who, who can show genuine excitement and enthusiasm and passion and, like... It's so easy to get beaten down by the world or whatever. That sounds really dramatic. But, uh, you know, it's it's really easy yeah. to, to, like, get faced with – it's really easy to, like, go up and see that somebody, like, maybe doesn't respond to the things that you like or they don't like them. And it's really easy to feel like that means they're not good. And I think mm-hmm. what I love about Quentin is that, like, he's constitutionally incapable of not loving the things that he loves. <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's very true. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? Yeah, like he likes what he likes, and it's, it's you know, he's not he's not embarrassed about it. And you got to be enthusiastic about these things. <laughs> so, what is it that you love about your job? Like, what what is it that gives you that feeling of like I can't believe I do this every day? Um, well, I think a big part of it is like the team that I get to work with. I think that just being around people that. Um, I mean, you know, they're like, I, I respect so much and then I can learn so much from, um, but that are also hilarious and just, you know, like we can say the most ridiculous things. Um, 
and you know, it's, uh, there's definitely like a comfort level there, which is really, really nice. Um, and we, you know, we'll have days where it's like, we're not just talking about the hilarious stuff we're talking, we're getting, you know, we'll get personal, we'll get into like darker things. And, um, it's nice. A writer's room to an extent, like should have that sort of safe space feel to it. Mm. Um, because that's, you know, a lot of people in the writer's room will like draw on personal stuff or like, you know, you, you want it to be relatable. So, um, it's definitely, that's probably one of my favorite things about it. Um, and then also, you know, you get to go to work and sometimes the sentences that are coming out of people's mouths, you're like, Oh, this is, this is my job. Like, this is a show that I work on where you're like, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, past seasons and you're talking about like, uh, like dragons and you're talking about like, Oh, and now we're, then here we cut to the musical number and you're just like, this is, this is my job. This is really, you know, (laughs) it's just a blast. It's there's, there's so much, uh, variety and it's just so fun. Do you think it's scary to put yourself out there putting pieces of yourself into something a bunch of people will see and being vulnerable? Um, definitely. Uh, I would say, I would say because of the fact that um, when you're on a TV show and it's a writer's room that's taking part in figuring out what the story is going to be and um, figuring out how you're going to handle um, topics that might be very personal to certain people, it's like, oh, so the, the person who's writing the episode might not be the one that that's the super personal thing to, or you might be writing something that is super personal to you in your episode, um, but you kind of have that protection and that safeguard of like, Oh, we've all kind of come together about this. And this is a thing that, you know, we all have collectively feel strongly about and somebody might have more, more personal experience with, you know, some type of character dynamic or sort of, you know, like relationship or whatever. Um, but being able to draw on that, I think when you have, um, a staff behind you is definitely, uh, a really nice support system. Um, I think when it's something that's, you know, exclusively yours outside of uh, a, a show and a team, um, I think then it can get a little bit more intimidating because then it's like, oh, this is definitely like people will know this is this is me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, like I I uh, on the side just for fun, like I, I write music and like I rarely ever show anything to anybody because that stuff is like, oh, that's very personal. Like that's a thing that my lyrics, I just don't want to show that to anybody. Um, so mm-hmm. it'll just depend, you know, how, how personal it gets. But I feel like when you're putting stuff in through other characters, um, a lot of the time you can get personal and people won't know how much of that is personal and how much of that is just the, the character or the story decisions that you made. Um, and I think it, it can be a really nice way to talk about very real things and the you know, cathartic too, um, without necessarily having to like, you know, hold up your hand and be like, this is me, you know? Um, and then it's also more relatable because people will see themselves in that if they have, you know, similar experiences. Hmm. So when you're approaching a new episode, how do you get started? So it depends on like what point in the season we're at. Hmm. Um, but a lot of the time it just depends on looking at, okay, what came immediately before this? What are the plot threads that we have to pick up on from here? Um, and then we'll kind of like list those out and be like, this is what we know we need to, 
that w- what we owe is what we'll say. Um, and um, so the things that we have to, the questions we have to answer or the plot that we have to move along because we know we have to get it to a certain point by this later episode. Um, and then we'll go from there. And sometimes it'll be like a conversation where we're like, what is the movie of the episode? Um, where it's like, what's the kind of, what's the kind of the big idea of it? Um, the thing that people will be like, oh, that was the episode where, you know, where they did this thing. Like, you know, for when I was doing uh, poached eggs, they'll be like, oh, that that's this is the episode where we have like the psych board breakout or where we have the, you know, the the fairy eggs and the, the carriage that gets like ripped apart at the end and they get pulled out and abducted. Like that kind of stuff where it's like, okay, what is the thing of that episode? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you be able, you can point stuff like that where it's like, oh, season one, you have like the break the south one. You have like the, you know, like you can kind of get an idea of that. So not every episode has that like easy one big thing to point to, but we try to kind of find what that might be and then um, really just keep pushing all the plot forward, um, but also make sure that we're, you know, emotionally addressing where we've left each character from the last episode. Yeah, I, I was actually, one of the things that I was thinking about um, as I was, like, re, re-reviewing, reviewing, I think just reviewing, reviewing is the word, um, <laughs> the episodes that you'd written is, there's this, like, kind of, there's this kind of beautiful symmetry between them, because, like, a lot of the stuff that gets resolved in Poached Eggs, um, or maybe not resolved, but, like, a lot of the stuff that, that comes up in Poached Eggs was sort of set up in lesser evils, right? Like Margot is mm-hmm. renegotiating yeah. the terms of her agree, her like kind of illicit agreement with the fairy queen. She's yeah. fighting uh-huh. for Fen and Elliot's daughter, whereas before she was like giving him up. I don't know. I just thought there was some. It was it was really cool to see that you were on both of those episodes because it's like you got to like what is it bump set spike for <laughs> in volume yeah. right <laughs> yeah yeah and it's kind of fun like i i never thought of that but uh yeah it's because you're like you know thinking on the whole trajectory of the show i was like oh i didn't think about that like i guess that stuff started there and then kind of came to a head in in 307 that's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so how is writing on your own so you wrote poached eggs on your own um uh, well, yeah. on your own, the way that you write on your own in a right with like a writer's room, um, yeah. but you wrote with mm-hmm. John for Lesser Evils. So, how were those experiences different? Of like, yeah. Um, well, definitely uh, writing with John on Lesser Evils is a lot of fun. So, I um, had basically we had like divvied up the parts of the scripts that we were going to do, and um, I had come to him um, with my chunk of the pages and turned them in, and he was like, "Great, great." still working on mine. I'll get them to you. And then he comes in the next day and he's like, I want to add a musical number. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. And he was like, I want it to be this. And he hits play on, uh, on one day more. And I was just so excited because Les Mis is like my favorite musical like, since I was a kid. And I like, I was completely, completely stoked about it. And like, from that point on, it, it's been like a story. I think he, uh, at different panels and stuff, he'll bring that up and he'll be like, Elle was crying. I'm like, I'm not that emotional. <laughs> um, but it was, so, I was so excited. Um, and getting to write with him was cool because um, at a certain point in the process, like, you know, he did his chunk, I did my chunk, and then he would have me 
do revisions on stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm revising, like when we're getting notes from, from other writers, from the network, from production, um, I would be revising stuff that John wrote. And that was like a weird, funny experience. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm used to being the one who gets revised because that's how it works when you're on a writing staff. And, uh, that was a fun thing to get to learn, um, about implementing all of that. And then when I went into writing, uh, poached eggs, that was definitely as the first like solo episode, um, having that responsibility for stuff, um, I feel like that, that first experience really prepared me for it where I had the the fallback of the fact that John was like my my partner in it and my like mm-hmm. guidepost yeah. in it and then um and then on Push Eggs kind of being able to have to step up and, and make decisions about things in the script and on set um that were you know, I felt I felt nicely prepared by the experience on the first one for sure. Okay, so I buy all that, and that sounds great. But also, it was the first musical episode to appear in the show, yeah. right? So was that... Well, technically, technically, there was the Shake It Off with Quentin in episode 104, yeah. Uh, yeah. which was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a little different, right? Like, this was the, the first, first full-blown, yeah, like, big musical number. Yeah. So, like... Yeah. So I got a lot of attention, which was really uh, surreal for me at the time because I wasn't, you know, even a full writer on staff yet. And then, you know, John being the generous person that he is, is like name dropping me in like whatever interviews and stuff. And I'm just like, what's happening? Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, no, but that was a blast. Like getting to be on set for that. I, uh, I was actually, I was in the recording studio with them while they were recording. uh, The cast was recording one day more. And uh, yeah. And so it was a very long, long day in the studio and um, I'd be sitting there and I'd be like, like the melody line should be like here or whatever and uh the director and the line producer would just be like just go in there and tell them just go in there so I'm like in the vocal booth with the actors being like so this part uh <laughs> you know, it was it was very it was very funny but they were they're so talented it was a really fun it was fun kind of getting some some surprises where it was like you know John had picked it knowing that Hale would kill it because he has an amazing voice and um Mm -hmm. some of the others he was like okay great we're writing them parts but we weren't you know we didn't know what their singing experience was um and uh so some really nice surprises coming out of that where you know people get in the studio and then they just open their mouth and you're like oh oh okay (laughs) you got this you know yeah really really fun yeah yeah so why Les Mis and which came first the musical number or the story I guess you kind of the story came first yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah so story story came first um yeah i guess you answered yeah, that like yeah because we had we had basically that whole thing where um elliot's trying to get ready to go into this duel with king Idri, mm-hmm. and he's kind of psyched himself out and uh you know john came up with the idea that um the way that soldiers used to pump themselves up for battle is that they would do like chants or songs as they're marching in and that Margot, knowing Elliot, would know what the right thing was to pump him up. And um, John, I think, felt like one day more, um, it has that, I mean, it's such an ensemble song where we could bring in so many different voices. And then also the the different parts felt like fit so well thematically, like yeah. the stuff that's, you know, Eponine's part that Fen is singing, that just like worked so well for her character. And yeah, just different stuff that all lined up and it felt like the appropriately triumphant thing. Cause like in Lamez, it's the big number as they're, you know, going off to fight on the barricades and, 
going to the battle in the French Revolution. And uh, this was like kind of the big pump up number as they're going in. Um, and then we kind of poke fun at it in a way when we have them all, you know, stop in the field. And then King Idris like, I thought the duel was today. What do you mean one day more? You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and if you could pick any song to use in a musical number for the magicians, what would it be? And who would you have sing it? Ooh, I could pick any song. Um, I mean, there's so, there's, it would depend a lot on uh, what kind of stuff we would be able to get. But in like a dream world scenario, I would love if it was a musical, um, like a song from a musical, I would love to like have something from Hamilton. <laughs> I uh, think that would be like the coolest. Especially now uh, that Michael Loy is, um, <laughs> is yeah, on the cast. Yeah. Which I was very excited when, uh, when that happened. <laughs> um, Cause I saw him as Hamilton in LA, which he was fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think just, that would be so, so cool. Um, yeah. And I don't know who I would have singing it. I mean, I would love to have like one of the, one of the numbers that's like really, um, you know, like one of the super engaging, like Yorktown or something like that. Oh, yeah. It would be really cool to like have a bunch of people involved in. Um, <laughs> Need another battle scene for that though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what the future holds? <laughs> you do. You know what the future holds. <laughs> I, I can see that. I could also see like, um, so did you, did you know that Arjun also auditioned for Hamilton, that he auditioned for, for the title role? I think maybe for that same oh, cast. Oh, really? I'm not sure. Yeah. So it'd oh, be wow. kind of cool to like see him and Michael do a rap, do like one of the rap battles. That'd be fun. That'd be really fun. Oh, man. One of the cabinet battles or something? Yeah, like cabinet battle of the <laughs> devil, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And we yeah. we just have to throw this question there because we just it have to. It is Todd to. Tuesday, so, also. It is Todd it is, Tuesday. It is Todd Tuesday, yeah. So when will we get to hear Todd sing, I just can't wait to be king? This is a joke between <laughs> us for a long time, so... What is the origin of this joke? Well, okay, but like, okay, there's, there's like a couple things. So first of all, Todd so clearly wants to be Elliot, right? And like, yeah. he's worn so many <laughs> fake crowns in the show now, right? Like the Burger King crown. There was like at least one other. Um, so it's a pretty oh, well, he had his, oh, yeah. Yeah, the Statue of Liberty crown. <laughs> <laughs> So I we feel had fun like- with because uh, we played with that one when we went out. We were like location scouting, and our director on that episode was just like wearing the Statue of Liberty crown everywhere we went. And we were trying to see if Canadians would say anything, but they're too nice and they wouldn't make any comments or make him feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> so just no one said anything. <laughs> well, yeah, but like that—that's where it comes from. Like Todd clearly does want to be king, so I feel like we need yeah. to get him singing singing that. It's from a musical. Yeah. <laughs> We are just obsessed with Todd, though, so we'll kind of, like, self-insert self I mean, him into anything. Todd is Todd is wonderful and brings us all much joy. Todd, Todd literally reminds me of, like, that one character in a fan fiction that was just so clearly, like, self-inserted. Like, that's what he reminds me of. And I think that's why I love him so much. 
I think I... Yeah, he's so fun. Oh, no, okay, that's that's coming up. We have another Todd-related question coming up. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so one, one of my favorite things about, about this episode, about Lesser Evils, is that it, it has that, like, really nice mix of fun, but also a lot of drama. And I, I mean, I think all of my favorite episodes in The Magicians are like that. They, like get really deep into the emotional shit and then they just like throw you a musical number or, um, you know, what was the, I can't remember the name of the episode now, but the one where they, uh, they're all poisoned by the thrones. Like that's another one where it's like super dramatic and, um, there's also something silly in it. Um, so how do you balance the emotional up and ups and downs in an episode like this without it feeling like a soap opera? Um, I think that comes a lot from the fact that we're always looking for like the most, the most fun thing we can do with something where it's like, we don't want to, we don't want to dwell in the drama. We want to find like the way to make it fun. And then you get the gut punch, you know, like we're, <laughs> we can kind of bring in the, the intensity of it. Um, but we try to, it's, it's really a, a balance. And I mean, I think, um, the fact that our, like so many writers on our staff are just so naturally funny um, and that we'll kind of like riff on things a bit. Um, it really, it really helps that um, in that, you know, like our, our cast is really good at pulling off, like landing the lines when they're supposed to be funny and then pulling off the drama when, when it's supposed to be tugging at the heartstrings, you know, and, or, or scary or intense or whatever. Um, yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun mix. <laughs> okay. So, of the episodes you've written, which was your favorite? Ooh, well, I mean, it's hard to say because uh, on the one hand, you have one day more. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was such a blast. Um, I think I really I really enjoyed um, getting into stuff on, on poached eggs. I liked um, that there's so much fun and games throughout, um, but then by the end that we get to have some like those quiet emotional moments, like the, the Elliot and Fenn scene where they're talking about the loss of their daughter. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that kind of like the big ending, I, I had a blast with the, the ending of the, um, Elliot and Margo getting pulled out of the carriage, um, Mm -hmm. when the fairy queen abandons them. Um, that was a really fun scene to shoot because we shot that in, uh, in some pieces where part of that was shot in like a carriage that was not actually moving. It was like a reconstructed one that they could like pull the sides out. So that it was easier to shoot. And then we shot in the actual carriage where we had like extra swarming with like torches on the side who are like coming to be the angry mob to pull them out. Um, and, uh, and uh, then there was just that, that great moment where, which I think was sort of a, a special cooked up between uh, summer and our director, Josh Butler on that. Um, where uh, when they pulled Margot out and she's just yelling like, I'm your queen, you motherfuckers. <laughs> and the first time she said it, at, I, I was sitting at Video Village with the headset on. I was just dying. I was like, oh my God, we need, we need to get that again. <laughs> we do that in the next take. It was just so golden. Um, but like having a moment that was really, really intense like that was really fun. Um, and then that, that heartfelt scene, like with, the scene that Hale and Brittany just did such a beautiful job between that, uh, in that Elliot and Fenn scene, um, that, uh, 
you know, it was like there, it was very subtle at the same time as it was like trying, you know, making sure that we were doing full justice to like the emotions of that moment. Um, they had me tearing up at video village. It was great. Um, yeah, there was so much fun stuff in that. Um, I just had a blast on that one. The psych ward was fun to figure out for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the moments when the whole, Finn, like, breakout like, sequence. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, the moments when Fen sort of asserts herself to Elliot are like some of my favorite moments in the entire series. Because mm-hmm. clearly, like that has been such a journey for her to like be able to do that, right? She grew up feeling like her role was to be docile and quietly supportive, and watching her step out of that is just so satisfying. <laughs> yeah, and that's been really fun because. Um, I guess when, when Fen first started out, you know, as a character, like she's, she's literally there to just, she's Elliot's Valorian wife. And then as she's grown over the course of the series, that's been a really fun one to get to explore and dig into with like all the, all the little like Valorian weirdnesses that we can throw in there with her, where it's just like earth stuff that she just doesn't get or Mm -hmm. like stuff that she just sees completely differently. That's like totally normal from a Florian perspective. And we're just like, what is she talking about? Or, you know, things where, where she's going from the person who was like raised expecting to be married off to the King and then becoming like coming into her own as her own person. Um, And so it's been, it's been a really cool thing to get to kind of like see that character evolve over the course of the series for sure. Mm-hmm. And help like work that into that. So that was a fun thing to get to do um, in Post Eggs for sure. Yeah. So, is there anything in either Lesser Evils or Poached Eggs that you were nervous about? And what was it like seeing the fan response? I mean, I was definitely ner- a little bit nervous with the. Um, do you mean like nervous in terms of like going into uh, writing it or going into producing it or the fans responding to it? All of the fan response, probably all, but like <laughs> mostly just like reaction after it airs. Yeah. Um, in terms of reaction after it airs, um, I guess I, you know, the, the musical number, um, you know, I, I loved it and you know, John loved it and I thought that everybody did such an amazing job with it. It was so ambitious. So I was a little bit nervous going in, especially because, um, you know, when I was, I was on set for it and uh, it was my first time in that capacity as a writer on set. And so that was such a big and ambitious episode to handle. So I was definitely nervous going into that. Um, But then in terms of it airing, uh, it was the first time our, our show had done something quite like that. And uh, you know, it was really, really fun seeing the fan response to that because people were very excited, (laughs) which I was really thrilled about um, for sure. Yeah. Um, so is there anything that you're most excited about for season four? If there's anything you can share with us, of course. Um, Speak in generalizations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's definitely going to be some fun, uh, some fun with the, the new identities that they find themselves in by the uh, end of season three and the beginning of season four. Um so that's been that's been fun to play with too, um, for sure. 
Who wrote that the, uh, teaser trailer, by the way? It's so funny. I don't actually know, but I was I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as they had that going, I was just like just seeing hail popping up everywhere, going, Will oh you play the scene? And just like oh, the God. hail the hail <laughs> part just killed me, especially that part when he like just like like yeah. says it, but like you can't hear him. He's just like, Will you play? Yeah, yeah. I really and liked then, him uh, listening and then to the. Jason keeps calling him, he calling himself Bry Guy. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked uh, when Hale was like listening to the. <laughs> what I don't even know what you call that the like weird like the, the paddle mitt. thing yeah. yeah Velcro paddle and he's just like listening carefully <laughs> peels apart um, and just like yeah. I mean Trevor and Jason just super digging into those identities the mag. mag- Magakians or whatever. Magakian. Mag- <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, that was brilliant. That was really good. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know who to credit with that, but whoever did it, props to them because <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> it was funny. So I think yeah. that, that raises a good question too, which is like, the episode, apart from the episodes you've written, like what has been the most fun episode for you to like watch or watch develop as a fan? Mm. Um, I mean, I thought that uh, Be the Penny last season was just a blast to watch just because it was it was so funny and also, you know, like it, it really like had that gut punch to it by the end where, you know, you're sort of saying goodbye to the character as you know him. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I that was just such a, it's such a fun ride. Like and seeing that one come together. Um, in the writer's room was really, really fun because that was definitely like a, a sort of a big, wild, crazy pitch idea that um, was definitely felt very much a David Reed special, <laughs> <laughs> which was really fun. Was it David who, like, when we talked to him, Danny, was he the one who said, like, I don't think uh, Penny 40 is coming back? Um, that was Henry, I think, actually. Okay. I, I'm so nervous about that. <laughs> I hope we get a little bit of him again. I'm not going to ask you to comment now. I know that's... <laughs> well, right now, right now, Arjun is playing Hansel, so, you know... <laughs> right. Oh yeah, my he's God. a little busy. <laughs> so, after that trailer dropped, I hadn't seen it, so I hadn't seen this, like, teaser trailer, and, like, all of a sudden, I get a text from Killy, who we've had on the show before, who's our friend, and she's just like... Hansel. His name's Hansel. He has to be like Hansel, like Hansel and Gretel, like the candy wish is coming back. She's freaking out about it. And I have no idea oh, what she's shit. talking about. <laughs> the candy so, wish. Like, I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> she does have to come back though, the candy yeah, wish. I don't know. That's, that, that, that's one of those things yeah, that y'all owe. <laughs> it's the candy wish. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was so triggered too because like, um, Ember, like, brings it up, and he's like, the candy witch, she'll come back, and then she doesn't come back in that episode, and I was like, I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. that Ember recap was one of my, one, one of the highlights that I just loved, Oh, my too. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. It's really good. Like, when we were, yeah, oh, man, I just remember, like, hearing uh, that actor Dominic just reading through it, and just, so I was funny. dying the entire time. Danny. He's, he's amazing. Was that the first episode that we got, like, ahead of schedule? I think it was. Because we were... I know that I was dying, and I seem to remember that we weren't able... That, like, I couldn't talk to anybody about it. 
until Danny saw it. <laughs> I think that was like the first episode that we got early. And it's just like, are you kidding me? We so. can't. <laughs> you had to keep it under wraps. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that is. Um, okay. That's a blast. So we, we should move on to poached eggs. Um, and I'll, I'll start us off. I'll leave the, the follow-ups for you. Um, so this is like a big fan favorite episode. And for us, it was the start of a new OTP. Um, you, you know mm-hmm. what OTP means, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so Todd and Fen. So when are Todd and Fen going to get together? <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need. <laughs> it's Todd Tuesday. <laughs> Todd Tuesday, Todd Tuesday. Um, <laughs> that means we have to make sure to release this on Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, can't say that's happened yet. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you'll be seeing them both again. I just can't Thank say if they'll God. be in the same place or anything. I, but. Just, <laughs> I just, like, want Todd, like, or Adam, you know, I just, like, want him in the show more because he's so he's great. so great. He's great as an actor too. He's just yeah, I, I really love so him. much fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so more seriously, a lot of story elements from Lesser Evils comes full circle in Poached Eggs when Margot holds the fairy eggs hostage to renegotiate her deal with the fairy queen. For example, mm-hmm. we find out that Fen and Elliot's daughter is dead. Did you always know how you wanted to resolve those threads of the story? Um, we didn't always. Um, we weren't sure there was some, some debate about whether we were going to have, uh, you know, an actual baby or if we were going to do the thing where they were faked out by fully grown Bray. Um, and, uh, yeah, there were some different, different avenues that we were like looking at for it, um, as a possibility, but we knew that, um, that would be a big deal to Margot because, finding out that she really was basically responsible for the, that loss, um, Mm -hmm. in a way. And, uh, yeah, it, it definitely, when that kind of, when we introduced that, we didn't know that that was what we were going to do by season three. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I love the way that that played out and it was really fun getting to have, you know, Elliot and, Ben getting used to the idea of having this fully grown daughter and Elliot not totally trusting that she's actually his daughter and Ben just being so willing to believe it because she just wanted to believe it so badly. Um, and, uh, and the, the actress who played, uh, Frey was wonderful as well. She was just a delight to, to work with. Um, at first I thought she's coming back. It's a lie. Like she's, (laughs) she's not actually dead. But then when everything hit the fan with the fairies, I was like, oh, no, I don't think I don't think it's coming back. <laughs> I think she's dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they definitely the their actual child is is definitely dead. <laughs> um, which, OK, uh, you know, we got that beautiful and, you know, heartbreaking moment um, with them at the end of that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was it was nice to also that we got to see fray again and that they still have sort of a weird a weird relationship in a way when we see them again in uh in 312 too um, yeah which was cool and that she's now in a relationship with humble drum the bear <laughs> so one thing i've always wondered is right like 
it <laughs> doesn't seem like Elliot wanted a kid, right? But that doesn't mean that he's not very upset about the fact that he had a kid and that kid died. And I guess I've always wondered how, I don't know, like behind the scenes, what are, what does Elliot feel about that? Like, <laughs> yeah. What is his emotional state? Yeah. Kind of what we talked about. Yeah. Well, what we talked about with that a lot was, yeah, he never, that was never a thing he wanted. He was very like, you know, sort of unpleasantly surprised when, uh, I mean, he knew going in when he married Finn at the end of the first season, um, there was like a whole moment after their wedding where he's like, I have to go impregnate a farm girl now. This is my job. And, uh, you know, when when he found that out, I don't think, given that he has so many issues with his own father, I don't think he was super looking forward to um, being one himself. Um, And, you know, being in your mid-20s and not having a lot of things figured out the way that Elliot does, like, I mean, it would be definitely stressful and and difficult to take on the idea of like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be a parent now. Um, But I think that having that given to him and having him sort of start to slowly come around to that idea and start to um, kind of accept that this was going to be a thing in his life and seeing how happy that made Fen, I think seeing that ripped away, um, definitely had a bigger punch for him than he thought it would. Um, so I do have questions about the websites. Um, uh-huh. cause like that, that just seems like a totally different development process. So I kind of yeah. wanted to ask you about that. Like, what was it like developing content for the sites? What kinds of like goals did you have? Like, what did you want fans to get out of them? And then like, I don't know. It's, it's like a massive amount of content. I don't know. Tell us what you can tell us about the websites. <laughs> Um, so going in for into season one's, um, stuff, we kind of had the, um, the mandate. I was, I was writing all that stuff with Mike, um, who was the writer's assistant at the time. And I was Sarah's assistant and, um, we kind of the marching orders that we had were like, okay, so it's going to be as if you're enrolling at Breakfills, and this is like the Breakfills you website. And so every week there's going to be new content and it's going to relate to, uh, a different lesson that you have that ties into whatever something that was in that week's episode. So basically we had to look at like what each episode was and figure out like what would be a fun activity. And um, based on like website design and stuff like that, the the sci-fi team uh, gave us parameters about like, okay, so we have a certain number of activities that need to be this type of thing and a certain number that need to be like multiple choice question quiz and a certain number that are this. And so we, uh, based on that, kind of picked like which which one best suited the content from each episode, and then went from there. And we kind of divided them up, and like Mike wrote some, and I wrote some, and then we picked ones where we were like, we think this would be a good webisode, like where we can have uh, a little short, um, like one shot webisode with one of our characters that can kind of introduce this week's lesson um, or close out this week's lesson. And uh, so that was a lot of fun getting to do that. Um, and uh, just doing little snippets where it's like, you know, it's bonus content with the people that you know and love, um, you know, like Fog and Marina and everyone. So that was kind of the process where we, like, they, we, they would give us kind of, like, what they were looking for. And then we would come in with pitches about, like, what each of those things should look like. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then second season, um, they wanted to do a Welcome to Fillery 
site. And so we kind of came in with the idea of like, what if we did an interactive map? And that, that season it was me and um, Sarah's assistant at the time, Alex Ritter, who's now our writer's assistant, and uh, Jay, who's now one of our staff writers. And um, we, the three of us kind of put our heads together and we're like, well, we wanted to do the interactive map because what better way to explore filler than to be able to click on places and like see little blurbs about what each of them are. And obviously you had to be careful because that was all stuff that went up before the season. So we couldn't have anything spoilery in it um, that you wouldn't know yet. Um, and then each week's content um, that we wanted to put up was much more like teaching you about or digging deeper into different elements of fillery that we had talked about or explored in that week or different elements of the magical world. Um, so that was definitely one where we kind of came in with more like, this is what we want to do. Uh, what, what types of activities do you need us to make it fit into? Um, and that was also a blast to, to get to do as well. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And then when they just, when sci-fi sent us back, they're like, oh yeah, here's your interactive map. And we we're just like, oh my God, it looks incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah. So what was your favorite thing that you wrote for the websites? And are there any Easter eggs up on the site that our listeners should look out for? I had a particularly fun time on the Breakbills U one. I like getting to write a little, uh, a little Marina webisode. That was pretty fun. She's fun to write for. Um, I liked, I liked getting to write also like the character bios each season and getting to like kind of fill in stuff that was in their, in their backstories that wasn't necessarily ever on the show or like fun little details that, um, we'd pull stuff from the books. Um, and you know, it, there's some things that like we have in the broader world of the show that aren't necessarily always visible on screen. Um, whether that's like stuff that we've written for the, for the web content or if that's stuff that like the, uh, assistant team or some of the writers will create for like art department where it's like, you know, the books of everybody, like what, what those actually say, because you need text in them when they're flipping through them in the, in the Netherlands library. Um, and wait, uh, so did somebody actually write books for all the characters? Yeah. I mean, not like full books, but like we'd write like, you know, several pages so that they have enough to like print them and be able to flip through them on camera in case you see any of them. Uh, so, you know, there was like, there was fun stuff like that. Um, getting to write that kind of content, um, which as an assistant, I like, there's the part in, uh, I think it's episode 212 where they're like Penny and Sylvia are in the poison room. And, uh, and Sylvia was flipping through, um, uh, Kanye's book. <laughs> so there's definitely a few pages of Kanye's book floating around my computer. Wait, what does um, Kanye's book say? Like, just like weird stuff like that. Oh, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it's basically like, it's, it's more or less like what it hints at in the, in the script, like, uh, going off of that and then just kind of like spitballing and having fun with it. But, uh, but yeah, like things like that and like what the spells look like when they're printed on pages and things like that. Um, like getting all of that supplementary content that then we could kind of like draw upon that stuff and then put some of that into the web content was a lot of fun. That is really yeah. cool. Um, I, oh, so like one of the one of the people who wrote it, we didn't get a ton of questions for you, but we did get a, a bunch of fan mail for you. Um, and one of <laughs> one of the listeners <laughs> wrote that um, her favorite, like one of her favorite things on the site, is Margaret Margot's bio, 
Margaret, what is wrong with me? Margot's bio where it says that she tried to start a fraternity <laughs> on campus. Uh, and I really liked that because, like, oh, yes. I love that it's not a sorority, right? Like, Margot tried to start a fraternity because, she, I don't know, she wanted to go to the frat parties and, like, hang out with all the dudes. And because... Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that all come from? Like, how do you, I don't know. She's just very much one of those people. <laughs> she is, but like, yeah. I think that, right, like those details, I'm <laughs> yeah, always that curious. Was, that was one, I think, oh yeah, no, I think that was, uh, that was when I was, uh, I think Mike concocted that one, which was pretty fun. Um, but I appreciated that because like when I was in college, I actually, I wasn't in the sorority, but I was in like a co-ed film fraternity. <laughs> so I was like, I'm in the fraternity, <laughs> which was always fun to be able to say. <laughs> yeah. So I went to a women's college. So sororities are kind of like redundant um, there, but we had a lot of secret societies. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's like kind of a thing. Like, I, I feel like I, oh. I get that. Oh yeah. We had a lot of secret societies. Uh, me and one of my best friends once, Okay, there's also, like, a lot of tunnels under my school, and there's this, like, there's a weird tunnel system because this is going to sound like I made it up, but it's totally true. I went to this tiny little women's college what? in Virginia, and there's this tunnel system that goes from the museum, to the, like, art museum, to, like, all sorts of places around the campus, and it's there because my college was supposed to be the like backup for the national gallery in case of nuclear war. Yeah. Like this is crazy shit, but like, that's just, that's what happens. It was this tiny woman's college in Virginia. And apparently oh that's God. what they did. So like <laughs> one, one time me and my friend, like basically social engineered our way into like getting, not just like getting underground, but like getting into some of the tunnels in like kind of dangerous areas where we weren't supposed to go um and we spent an evening just like going through the tunnels through the entire school like from oh the main God. campus into the chapel and into the museum it was crazy so I don't know how that came up other than that like I get the I get the uh not sorority <laughs> but relevant whatever one of those days <laughs> fun story about Clara <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome <laughs> that's like those like break bill secret passageway stories out of the book yeah yeah it is kind of like that huh it is kind of like that like the break bill secret <laughs> passageways um so you you had a second part of the question right about easter eggs yeah were there any easter eggs that listeners should look out for on the websites stuff that we might not think to look for or is it all like straightforward <laughs> it's mostly straightforward it's been a while since i've looked at it um off the top of my head I'm not thinking of like easter eggy stuff necessarily um but like I I like it when you like there's little little things you can notice like when you click around on that map that like you know the like ember will like talk to you (laughs) when you (laughs) click on certain like the ember's tomb on the map and like stuff like that and so there's just like fun little like touches to things um yeah Am I remembering correctly that, like, in the Welcome to Fillory one, some of the symbols in... There's, like, that big, like, clock symbol-y thing. Aren't some of the symbols the same symbols that we saw in the keys in Season 3? I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) Well, I don't remember Uh, correctly, then. (laughs) I don't know. I think because that stuff predated when we did the keys, and we didn't design them yet at that point, but... um, And, Mm. yeah, the keys were really fun to get to do them, for sure. (laughs) Um, Okay. So last question or last Uh question before I ask Danny, if she has any more questions, um, what's your Hogwarts house? I'm a Ravenclaw. 
for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pottermore told me so, and I was like, this is, this is correct. Yeah. <laughs> Did you always feel like that, or was it kind of one of those, like, oh, wow, I am? I feel like at one point I was like, I want to be a Gryffindor, because that's what, like, all the Harry Potter heroes are Gryffindors. And then I was like, really, though? Like, if I'm thinking about it, my characteristics, like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty Ravenclaw, I would say. Like, you know, I, I like, I like learning. <laughs> <laughs> I was hardcore Slytherin and then I took the test and like, I stayed up like every single night to be a part of that beta. Like I was like, I need to be a part of the Pottermore beta <laughs> and I became a Ravenclaw and I was just like, I literally had just like a midlife crisis, basically like a quarter life crisis over it. And I was like, I, what? And then like, like, I just like really was just like, okay, it's like, it's really true. Like. I am definitely more of a Ravenclaw. Uh, Danny's heard me tell this story before, but to my knowledge, I am the only person to have gotten a three-way hat stall on Pottermore. What? They do let you. What pick. were the three? Uh, everything. They but don't Gryffindor. do that anymore, but yeah. It was it was everything but Gryffindor, and they do let you pick. So I picked Ravenclaw because oh. come on, Ravenclaw's the best. They, they don't they don't hey. even do the hat stalls anymore. Like I know, so oh, disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> when it first I came my, out, like, I only knew Oh, what, yeah, what was like p- my Patronus thing? I'm like, it's like a red squirrel or something. I was like, oh. okay. <laughs> mine, mine was a mine was a hedgehog, and I was like, well, okay. I got a I dun stallion, which I feel is like super boring. I'm not a horse person. <laughs> <laughs> one of my one of my friends at work was like oh uh, I'm just really afraid to take it because I don't want to get like a salmon Patronus <laughs> <And I was laughs> like, oh. just very specific thing flopping upstream of. forever <laughs> yeah <laughs> alright well that, that's the last of the questions I have on the page Danny anything else you wanted to ask or follow up on I don't have any questions. I do want to say, though, since we were just speaking about the designs of the keys, I have a hat that I bought that has it. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, and I've literally, like, the last couple times I've worn it out, gotten people to be like, oh, hey, your hat. And I was just like, and it's so weird to me because, like, I know the show's getting bigger, but it's just like, oh, some random person's just like, I love your hat. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know, I'm happy awesome. about it. It's making me yeah. happy. For those of you who... Who can't see? Danny did a praise emoji in real life. I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it's like I mean, obviously, you know, love that like our show has such a great fan base. Um, but it's like you know when you go to work every day and you're like in this bubble where you're just like, oh, this is the thing that we talk about. It's like really, really fun to you know run into people who are just like oh my god I love that show and you're like oh like oh I know it <laughs> you know it's like it's, it's kind of a, a nice surprise even though like I know on a conscious level like oh yeah there's lots of fans out there it know? literally it literally takes everything in me to just not start talking about like the fact that I have a podcast and that I talk to people and that I'm like super obsessed with it so <laughs> yeah I, actually, yeah, it's a great show <laughs> <laughs> I I interacted recently with like the author of another book that I read that I love and that I think magicians fans would generally love um, called The Sky Is Yours. Her name is Chandler Clang Smith. Highly recommend it. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. About dragons and like fucked up people. <laughs> um, <laughs> so awesome. you know the Two best. things I like. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but uh, 
Oh, she she like responded to my she like replied to my tweet and she's like I see you're also a magicians fan and I was like this is an understatement. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a magicians fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know it's fun to like get to be working on. I mean, like I this I always say it sounds cheesy and I'm like I never say this around my bosses because I'm like, I don't want them to think I'm just like sucking up to them. But I'm like, you know, it genuinely is great to be able to work on a show that I would be a fan of, even if I didn't have anything to do with it. You know, it's like, it's totally something I would watch. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, that's not always the case when you're like a baby writer who's starting out um, to get to work on something that you're actually really, really excited about. So it's, it's really, really fun. And it's like, it's cool to be like, Oh yeah, I'm on a show that has like its own podcasts and stuff now. Cause it was like, I remember you know, the first time that I was like listening to show podcasts and stuff, like I, I was really into like Lost and the Lost podcasts <laughs> and stuff that I would follow at the time, and uh, you know, Lostpedia and all of that. Yeah, <laughs> where I would just get really invested, and it's like it's really fun that that stuff's out there for like a show that I get to be a part of. So it's it's cool. It's a big deal. Oh, look at that, more swag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, th- this. Oh my god. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I need it all. <laughs> back when the back when the show like first came out, we like tried to like start like a forum. Remember our forum? Oh yeah, I remember the forum. <laughs> yeah, because like forums used to be like super cool back like when like Harry Potter was still like being filmed and it was out and people would be like theories and things and so we were trying to do that and our, our forum definitely died, but it was pretty cool for a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> that's awesome. We were more engaged, like, on a broader level with the fandom before we started the podcast. And now that we have the podcast, it's like, there's only that much energy for other stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like an extra part-time job during the season. So. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot it of fun. It is. Now. Like, we've tried many times. We're like, okay, this season we're going to, like, we're going to start a blog and, like, actually, like, review it, too. And it's just, like, still doesn't happen. happen. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) y'all. We even, like, I feel like we've even failed on, like, really basic stuff. Like, we keep, we, we kept talking about, like, oh, we should just, like, publish our, we should just publish our texts back and forth, our, like, crazy texts when we're watching the episode, like, after the episode's air. And not even that has happened. It's... (laughs) <laughs> that would take yeah, like two seconds. Yeah. It's just too much. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. fun. Epi- fun text while episodes are airing. A lot of them from my mom, who is a big fan of the editions. <laughs> oh my god! And I will love just that. text me. She texts me some stuff. It's like pretty funny. <laughs> my mom doesn't watch the show. She hasn't read the books, but she has listened to our podcast. She listened to the Adam DeMarco episode, and she listened to the um, to the. Uh, why can't I remember his real name right now? The Reynard episode. <laughs> Oh, Oh, Mackenzie Aston. Yes. (laughs) The Mac Aston episode. And I just think that's so sweet. Like, my mom has zero interest in science fiction or fantasy. Uh, When I was growing (laughs) up and I would watch Star Trek, she would refer to UPN as the bad skin channel. And now she refers to sci-fi as the bad skin channel. So, you know, her tastes have not evolved. (laughs) But (laughs) Yeah. No, it's funny because, like, growing up, I didn't have cable for, like, a chunk of my childhood. And so I was, like, not a big TV person because I, like, read a lot and would, like, you know, my mom would be like, let's go, go make art and things like that. And, um, 
you know, and like, that's why I like to write. But, uh, then once I like got hooked on, on TV, you know, my mom would be like, TV, you write your brain. And I'm like, jokes on you, mom. I write television. <laughs> but, <laughs> I write uh, other people's brains. <laughs> but, but like, you know, but now she's like, Oh wait, but there's such good TV out there. And so now it's like, you know, my parents are both, will both be calling me and be like, Oh my God, like this thing on magicians or, Oh my God, have you seen this show? And it's great. It's great. There's so much good TV out there. There is. It's awesome. There is a lot right now. Well, yeah. thank Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us uh, about about this little TV show that we all love. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm. I have to say, like one of the most satisfying for, things for me in all the interviews that we do is just how much love everyone who is involved with the show has has for it. Like, it, it seems like this is a dream job yeah. for everyone, and that's just such a wonderful thing to hear as a fan that like the people who are making it really enjoy making it. Um. So yeah, thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, it's so much fun. Thanks for joining us. Thanks thank you. Our, thank you to our listeners, too. Um, for those of you listening, if you like the podcast, remember to rate us on iTunes or leave us a review. The more positive ratings we get, the higher we show up in search results, which means it's easier for other fans to find us and hear interviews with people like Elle. Um, and as always, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Physical Kids Pod. Bye! Bye! <laughs>